0: This is Jeffrey Wright. Film Wax Radio, doing my Jeffrey Wright on Film Wax Radio voice. As anybody who listens to my show, Film Wax Radio, knows I really like to bring on people, you know, over and over, and I mean people that I I enjoy talking to, you know, or just like, so it's a perk doing the show. It gives the show a particular kind of character and a community, and and um, I enjoy it. And when some of these people that keep coming back, or I mean, you know, not necessarily friends, some of them are, uh, but some of them are like Frederick Wiseman, who was just on for his fourth time, I think, uh, or third time, technically, I guess. But so that's the case here today with this episode and this filmmaker. His name is Amos Poe. Back in the days, I should say, of the underground scene in Lower Manhattan, in the East Village, Lower East Side. There was a very big underground art scene going on with uh, theater and music, mostly those two disciplines, actually. And then film wasn't a huge part of that at the first because, um, you know, film equipment had been, it wasn't do-it-yourself type of thing where you grab a camera, of course, or a paintbrush uh, and um, and a canvas and get busy with, with your work. It was more you needed a team for that and equipment expensive equipment and uh, even in the even if you had that expensive equipment it was probably pretty big and you had to get permits and you had to get a location and professionals who could help you with lighting and sound and everything else so you know uh, it's a different game but uh, all of a sudden that all this started to change and uh, during the uh, i guess 70s and early 80s there was a um, there was a lot of folks in downtown, like Steve Buscemi and uh, Jim Jarmish, John Lurie is another one. And and Amos got himself a camera, I guess, a, sh- a moving camera. He started shooting as part of that downtown scene. Amos was like maybe the f- one of the first, if not the first guy, to start making films shortly after about 1976 made a documentary called the blank generation and if you see the blank generation which i recommend i think it's available on youtube by the way while the production values may be in question at times this is no doubt a great documentary and very much worth watching if you can um i think i saw it originally on youtube Frankly, I don't know if anyone has ever tried to restore the film or, or if it's even possible. I have no idea. I have not gotten into that with uh, Amos. But um, he would go on to make a number of very low-budget films were uh, narr- narrative films with his friends, including Unmade Beds, Alphabet City, Triple Bogey on a Par-5 Hole. And, and then Hollywood came a-callin' and he did a couple of things in, in Hollywood or, or wrote like a screenplay called Rocket Gibraltar, which was made into a Hollywood movie. He was supposed to direct it. He was ultimately replaced. He's got a long story. You know, it's pretty great. The one other thing that I want to mention is this uh, great TV show that was on public access called Glenn O'Brien's TV Party, which, which Amos kind of co-created. He shot it all. It was just like this drug-fueled talk show with this... Uh, Great personality, Glenn O'Brien. Glenn recently died a few years ago. Still relatively young, but there's a great documentary out there, if you can get your hands on it, simply called TV Party. I could be wrong, but you can Google it. If you can find it, you should watch it. I think I saw it on Vimeo some time ago, but it is really great. And If you were around during that time, you'll really appreciate it if you were into the whole scene downtown. Amos has moved along. Let's put it that way. He's um, writing, and hopefully we'll see a nuke production soon, whether it's a TV series or a movie. I miss seeing his stuff. In the meantime, however, we had this wonderful, fabulous conversation in Tribeca at the Roxy Hotel at this lounge outside their cinema, which is right downstairs. They have a, he, he programs a shorts festival there on a regular basis and that's where we met and that's where this conversation you're about to hear takes place you can listen to it now my friend amos amos poe uh we will not have an outro on the show so we're going to go right into it right now here he is amos poe on film wax radio episode 520 Really? No, good. Can't, it's barely good. It's good there. ambience. Yeah, I don't mind ambience. We're at the Roxy Hotel in the Soho. In the basement? Is this? No, we're
1: in Tribeca, right? Tribeca, Tribeca. Yeah. Yeah. What was formerly the Tribeca Grand, now the Roxy.
0: Yeah. How long? When, how, when was it the Tribeca Grand? It, was, uh, it that was just a hotel as well?
1: Yeah, this was the same. It was the same thing. It was... Uh, okay. It was as ju- zhuzhed up as this
0: place? Yeah. Okay,
1: it's very similar. They did a few things to it. Oh uh, yeah. Um, I mean, they made it a little nicer. I think the the cinema here is kind of amazing yeah. now.
0: Um, yeah. What do you? What's your association with the cinema? What are you doing? I, I, you doing? I help
1: curate. I curate oh. this um, uh, monthly. Uh, last Tuesday of every month, I, I curate a short film festival. Oh. Right, and, You mentioned that, mm-hmm. and it's called Roxy Underground Film Festival or RUFF.
0: And um, how do you, how do you go about curating? I mean, what's the uh, we, what's we
1: people submit their films okay, online, so okay, and uh, we watch them and yeah. myself and uh, Elise who runs the place. Oh, okay, and uh, we decide uh, on a program for that month, and sometimes we have more films than we can program mm, i guess so we move it to the next month and so far we've had four of them and they've been increasingly more successful
0: so. you know you know what you should do you exactly. know i mean i was this past uh, spring uh, a a member of the New York Film Festival screening committee mm-hmm. and they, you know they used to um, just by little historical information they used to take uh, unsolicited uh, submissions, mm-hmm. like any festival, you pay your fee and you can submit mm-hmm. your f- your feature. But mm-hmm. they never ever accepted any of the features because you know they've got the top programmers right. in the country going mm-hmm. to all the top festivals around the right. world, selecting the best films of the year, right. quote unquote. I mean, you know, it's mostly opinion. con, yeah, right, and and mm-hmm. Locarno and mm-hmm. Vienna that type of Berlin mm-hmm. and uh, Sundance, and and then they they um so they stopped accepting submissions for features last year because they realized it's they don't it's sort of a scam i mean if you're not careful you you know the perception issue and they honestly i think just didn't yeah they didn't want to deal with that so they they but they are accepting uh shorts so i joined or it was you know it was like an open Mm -hmm. thing where and i was selected as one of the people to be on their committee and uh, i watched a hundred short films mm-hmm and, um, you know, it was just a great way to uh, see, no, that's a cool. see a lot of shorts. So I, mean, I guess yeah. I'm say, I don't know if you had the time to do such a It really wasn't that, I it was given a lot of time. I mean, right. it wasn't the kind of thing where it was like a month. We,
1: we get like, you know, just 30 or so submissions yeah. a month right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's increasing. Well, it's going to go up
0: now that you're yeah. talking about it on the yeah. show. Yeah,
1: it's going to go through the roof. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and we, we basically usually show about 10 Okay, because we have little Q and A's between films with if the filmmakers are in right, town. Right, right.
0: And, and uh, where do where is the submission process done? Where, where it's is done there, it's on the
1: Roxy Hotel website. Okay. You'll see the Roxy Cinema, and there is a submission there. And is there a fee to submit? No, there's no fee. Okay, uh, there's no admission. Uh, there are two prizes. Top prize each month
0: gets a weekend at the
1: hotel. Wow. And uh, second prize gets
0: dinner for two at the hotel. That's fantastic. Does the first prize, the weekend at the hotel, also include the dinner? No. Okay, I'm not submitting. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Uh, Fuck it. (laughs) That's a ripoff. Everybody
1: has a price.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, we're here now in the Roxy, and it's beautiful. This is the third... Thing I've recorded here, mm-hmm. I did two on one day during the last Tribeca Film Festival. Even though I didn't go mm-hmm. to the Tribeca Film Festival mm-hmm. or get a badge this year for the first time in many years, I just blew it off. But I still mm-hmm. ended up mm-hmm. doing a couple of things, which is the really ideal because then I'm not obliged to do anything for the festival. As mm-hmm. far as, I don't mind it usually. I'm not, but, but I, it's nicer not having to feel obliged, right? And if I want to plug some of the films, it's it's more of my own, you know, decision. Mm-hmm. So. Anyhow. All right. So we're here, and it's great to have you back. I think about you often. I think about uh, our last conversation, which I re-listened to today. I I wanted to make sure I didn't. I can't remember it. (laughs) You don't have to. I don't have to. No, I didn't either. I mean, I wasn't. I remembered some, like a couple of your anecdotes. I remembered you talking about, and people, you know, maybe go back and listen, but the great anecdote about your spending your last $4 on going to the uh, Theater eighty. Uh, or, what was it called? St. Mark's Theater. St. St. Mark's Theater. Right. Theater. And, and then um, <laughs> the couple arguing and abandoning all their snacks. And you were able to... Uh, enjoy them. Enjoy. <laughs> and the great. movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And the movies and blowing off glory um, yeah. for that. Uh, anyway. And there was a couple of other great stories. And then we talked a great deal about... You're at the time... Uh, I guess I won't call it an obsession. But you, had a, a, you were very into... Serialized, TV, you know, watching a lot right, binge watching, right. and we talked about that for a while, too. right? Yeah,
1: right. I haven't been doing as much, uh, occasionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could say it uh, comes in waves, right? But, yeah, you know. you get you do a bunch of that, and then, yeah, then you have to get back to work, right? But, uh, yeah, what was the last one I binged? I think it was season two of Occupied.
0: I don't even know that one occupied just is so that uh much, that much that you can't
1: uh, occupied is a is mm-hmm. a norwegian series oh you like the european series yeah, yeah I, especially i, makes I like sense. a lot of them um mm-hmm. this one is about the russian russian occupation of uh norway
0: mm-hmm. oh wow um it's a comedy
1: yeah mm-hmm. it's a musical actually <laughs> musical uh, comedy. um no it's a drama mm-hmm. about kind of what's going on it's a It's a metaphor for what's happening in Europe and in the world. And, you know, Russian aggression, I would say, uh, especially under Putin, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, and I'm a big Putinophile, I would say. So, um, a
0: Putinophile, uh, is that a thing? It,
1: I just coined it. Yeah. Possibly. Right. But no, I'm there, sure, are, I'm there sure you are books. Did. There are books about him. See, so like
0: you, in other words, when you call yourself a Putin file, a file, you're talking about learning about him.
1: Yeah, I've I've maintained um, what I would call it used to be, was a file. Now it's practically an archive uh, since about 1998. Really? So 20 years. 20 years.
0: Yeah. Wow. What's something that we would maybe people, the average person like myself, uh, would maybe be surprised to learn about him?
1: Well, things come out more and more, obviously. Um, There's a new book by Craig Unger that just came out Mm. called uh, House of Putin, House of Trump. Oh, right. Which is about the sort of, you know, relationship, business relationship that Putin and Trump have and how that's morphed into a more political relationship. Yeah. Yeah. well, one of the things people you know don't know about Putin, you know, he studied e- economy, economics. I he didn't was, know. yeah, yeah. So he was not a military guy per se. He was a spook. He was a KGB guy, but he got into the KGB through uh, the school of economics. So he was um,
0: drafted. Into was he? RG? He
1: was. Uh, it was a great assignment because in and there was the man who was his mentor, who sort of got him into the KGB. Yeah. Was a man who eventually in the nineties became mayor of uh, in the early nineties became mayor of Saint Petersburg, which is where he was
0: from, basically. Oh, it's interesting too, because I mean, if, for those who don't know Saint Petersburg, I mean, yes, it's it's an old one of the great old Russian. Magnificence majestic cities. However, it's also Russia light on a some level. Yeah. It's also it's the Baltic. It's Europe. Yeah. It's kind of the most European. It's the most European of all the you know Russian cities. Right. Um, probably because yeah. it, it's a port city. It's kind of like it's the way it's a port, way,
1: city. It's port city. So it's kind of like the way uh, people from Shanghai feel about Beijing. Mm-hmm. It's the way people from Saint Petersburg feel about Moscow. they are two very different cultures. Yeah. Yeah. So Shanghai is a very uh, economics-based city, uh, obviously a port and has relations with other countries, whereas Beijing is inland and is political city. Mm-hmm. Moscow is like that to St. Petersburg.
0: Mm-hmm. So it kind of explains maybe... Him it
1: explains partly his why his, yeah why he's the richest man in the world. He's worth roughly $250 billion. Is, that,
0: is he richer than Be- Bezos? Jeff yes, Bezos? he's, he's, Bezos, he's right? much richer than Bezos. He's much richer. Yeah. Okay. But The
1: thing about Putin, unlike Bezos, Bezos, we know how yeah. he made his money. <laughs> right. And we know pretty much how he spends his money. Whereas with Putin,
0: none of that. It's all dark. It's all dark. This book by Craig Unger just just came out, right? Yeah, it was very two r- weeks I think ago. I saw him on um, either but MSNBC y- or well, it's what? likely he was on that one of the. Yeah, he probably on,
1: yeah. he's on a, probably a book tour of some sort. Yeah. Um, and also one other thing that people don't know about about mm-hmm. Putin, yeah. is that uh, you know, and one of the things that Craig's book points out is that since the mid eighties, even. Before the Soviet Union collapsed, uh, a lot of Russian mafia were getting their money out of the country because they knew it was collapsing. Um, and other people got their money out of the country by laundering it in Trump condominiums in New York. I had heard that. Okay, so that's known. So what people right. don't know okay. is that. that um, <laughs> you he did that. I'm sorry. It's Putin, a tick. Putin. Yeah. Uh, was also a major money launderer
0: because uh, he or, learned it at the university. Yes,
1: <laughs> you know it's like, yeah. wow. Because he had That's a con- combination of economics background and yeah. understood banking, right? And how banking worked in Europe at the time, and to some wow. extent still. And he was also in the KGB, so he also had the spy mentality, right? And so everything that appears is not what it is; it's what's under the table. Yeah. So, when he was assigned in nineteen eighty two to the East German desk, mm-hmm. East Ger- to East Germany, and his f- little fiefdom mm-hmm. with the KGB was to um, uh, make reports on the economics of the the Soviet war in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. That was his whole job. Yeah make economics reports on the war in Afghanistan and what he started to suss out and wondered why uh, because he's also a chess master so he wondered why even though the war was nonsensical on Mm -hmm. any real level he understood the political ramifications of the war Mm -hmm. he understood why politically it was necessary in a way but he didn't understand economically that it felt like the cost of the war far exceeded Mm -hmm. the political import of the war.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And when there's an imbalance like that, it's Mm -hmm. a bad war. You you basically lose even if you win, which you can't win in Afghanistan. And so from the politicians, the Soviet politicians who were for the war, it was kind of obvious why. Basically, there were no jobs in, in the Soviet Union, so they needed to have a place to put all the men, which was in the army mm-hmm. in Afghanistan. They also needed to make money making arms and military equipment for their version of the military-industrial complex. That's understandable. But from a military point of view, it was just like, you guys are getting creamed. Why would any military guys be continuously for the war and at each month it became more and more apparent that militarily it was a bad idea Mm -hmm. so most of the military were either on the fence or not really like gung-ho yeah let's keep this war going except for two Russian generals and he kind of wondered why these generals were so for much for the war and he started to look into it and he noticed a couple of things he was very sharp as a young man he was extremely he's still sharp but obviously um Mm -hmm. but then he was super ambitious and sharp Mm -hmm. and what he noticed was that the planes carrying supplies, these military cargo planes carrying supplies, Mm -hmm. always used the same amount of fuel, uh, hence cost, when they went, brought stuff into Afghanistan, but when they came back empty. There should have been been more fuel. They used much less fuel. Much less less fuel, rather. Yeah, because they're much lighter. Of course, sure. Except occasionally, there would be these planes that be using up much more fuel. So he wondered why these planes, what they were carrying, and it turned out that they were carrying heroin. So these two generals were running heroin out of Afghanistan. Now, it was known in, in Europe. 80s? When yeah, is this? yeah, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. That all the heroin in Europe, especially in the 80s, mm-hmm. was coming out of Afghanistan. And the only people who could get it out Were the Russians, Mm -hmm. so that was known, but they weren't didn't know how, so, and the the people who were, uh, uh, you know, at the top of the chain of heroin distribution were the Albanian mafia, so in the Soviet Union, no, in Albania, it was coming out of Afghanistan into 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 Moscow basically, or into Russia, Russian military bases essentially. Then, from there, it was sent over to Albania, okay. usually by trucks uh-huh. that had, like, you know, the the right paperwork. Uh-huh. And they went across the border to Albania because it was communist. And then the Albanian mafia took it and distributed it to the rest of Europe. Uh-huh. Now, Putin followed this and figured it out, that this was what was going on. And the more he followed it, he also noticed that these two generals had a couple of, you know, what were ostensibly safe houses, which were, you know, Dachas or apartments. Mm -hmm. And he was able to convince one of his cohorts to go into one of these apartments. Now, one of the the cohorts who went into the apartment is the guy who kind of spilled the beans, so to speak. Eventually, he had a falling out with Putin and spilled the beans. Oh, really? Is he alive? No, he's dead. Yeah. Um, he fell off a building.
0: It happens. It happens. <laughs> you know, you know people on. slip. So every day.
1: And what he basically said was they went into the apartment and they expected to find who knows what. And what they found was that of the six rooms in this apartment, they were stacked from floor to ceiling with cash.
0: Jesus, what 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 current what currency? Uh, in
1: those mean? days, it was before the euro, yeah. so it was okay. like it you was know lira and Swiss francs, French okay. francs, and right. pounds and no. dollars, right. etc.
0: Not rubles, um, and
1: then some rubles, <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, some Albanian money, um, but every denomination you can imagine. And what Putin realized at that point was that these fellows could had the whole system rigged up, yeah. but they didn't know how to launder the cash.
0: That's where... That's
1: where he came in. Trump. No, that's where Putin came in. Oh, Putin
0: in. came in because he realized there's an opportunity here. Yes,
1: so... To get he, rid of
0: the cash out of the apartment. Right. So he
1: went to them, to these generals, introduced himself, and they were like, who the fuck are you? Right. Get out of our face. And he said, no, I can help you. And he said, what the fuck? Who are you? He's a low-level... KGB guy, right. he's making like two grand a month at this point. Right. And this is like 1983. And he says, I know what your problem is. Your problem is getting rid of the cash. And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> Who's this? He goes, I'm KGB. I yeah. know this shit. Yeah. So, I'm also an economist. I can help you launder, I can help you get the money out of your apartments get him into Swiss banks. get you an account that you can transfer that money to anywhere in the world without anybody ever noticing one single thing. And they were kind of wary of him, but they decided to- Well, he's
0: KGB. Yeah, yeah,
1: well, not only is he KGB, but who the hell is he's, this guy? Right, 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 no. how did, That he knows how to do this. Yeah. But they were desperate enough to take a shot. Mm-hmm. So they gave him a small amount of money, a, a, to Putin a great amount of money which was about a million and a half dollars and he said alright see what you can do with this and we'll, if you fuck it up we're coming after you mm-hmm. we kill people for a living and we will kill you and Putin said I won't fuck it up but here's my cut 10% of every dollar I launder I keep And they were kind of like not sure, but they agreed to it because ninety percent of something is better than zero. Because the, yeah, they the, couldn't move it at all. They couldn't Just move it at they're all.
0: Just collecting dust. How did the uh, original friend, who's no longer with us though, how, how did he gain access? when they, so you said Putin convinced uh, his colleague to uh, check out the get in the apartment. Right. So he broke in. That, yeah, that's, okay,
1: they broke okay, in. All right, all right. They they. Um, uh, that guy um uh was not an economist um he was KGB dealing no, with see. internal security okay he so knew someone who could yeah. knew someone who was a burglar
0: right and they of course they have a, a lot of access to all this stuff uh, yeah. information and what uh and so you're learning this these stories through your reading or is it yes
1: through, through A variety of readings, as I said, going back to 1998, when -hmm. Putin first sort of surfaced uh, more on the international scene, uh, he became a fascinating creature for me, because the first thing, uh, I I saw his face, and I went, wait, this guy's a serious dude. Yeah, I could tell, too. And the first article I read, which I have, was... um, a kind of a small article in a British newspaper called The Independent. And it was about his um, fascination with uh, martial arts and chess. And I said, a, a guy who was formerly KGB, because he got out of the KGB in 89. Mm-hmm. So a guy who was formerly KGB who's was fascinated with chess and is, has climbed up this political ladder very astutely Mm -hmm. as somebody to like really watch and I was more fascinated by the martial arts and the chess than anything else Uh, and I just took a folder and I wrote Putin and I stuck this article in it Mm -hmm. and uh, I opened a file eventually on my computer and now there's sub-files right and um, uh. Put on Google alerts, you know. Eventually, you know, yeah, anything sure. that comes up. Mm-hmm. But even before well, Google be and before computer, you know, I was computer savvy, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, uh, there were, you know, prior to Putin gaining power in two thousand on the New Year's Eve of two thousand, uh, which was really amazing. Um, that whole coup d'état almost. Um, there was some information leaking out because he didn't have control of everything. But he certainly had control of a lot f- f- from the whole 90s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the 80s, he spent in the KGB pretty much. Mm-hmm. And he's a guy that makes 2000 a month. By 1988, 89, when he leaves the KGB, he's worth $15 million. Mm-hmm. How did that happen? Right.
0: Well, we, now we do know. And Uh,
1: he buys himself into St. Petersburg political system, cleans up the Russian mafia in St. Petersburg by killing off four of the seven Russian gangs.
0: uh Or the families. So now he has
1: the mafia, he has the KGB, and he has the government. Mm -hmm. Really all he needs to do now is control Mm -hmm. the presidency and mostly the oligarchs. Right. Which right. is what he's done. Yeah. Uh, and and Trump is just another oligarch that right. is in his pocket.
0: Right. This is a the mini series. This is the series rather, right? That yeah. You, you're writing. Are you writing something? I've
1: written something about it Maybe that was more fictional. Uh, uh, I'm toying with some other ideas right now, but because
0: the story is, is such a natural. Yeah. I just Wonder what that would. Yeah. It would I? I mean, what it would you know the implications of of of, of putting of putting other series like that would be you know?
1: well it's like but going it's, to an hbo or netflix yeah. and saying hey i want to put together a essentially a non-fiction series um mm-hmm. the Putin Putin
0: early it. days yeah i mean um, mm-hmm.
1: and here's the here's the, here's a kicker so when he when they give him this go-ahead these generals, He takes two giant suitcases of cash, gets on a plane from Moscow, goes to Zurich, checks into a hotel, finds the smallest bank you can find in Zurich, goes to the youngest guy who's got a desk in that bank, mm-hmm. says to the guy, I'd like to start an account. There's only going to be three people who are, have access to this account has to be numerical. It has to be transferable anywhere in the world. And if you do this with me, within three years, you're going to be the president of this bank. The guy's like, who yeah. are you? What are you talking about? And, then, <laughs> yeah. and he says, trust huh, me, I'll, I'll make you president of this bank. And he says, Robita. how much do you want to open an account for? Now, an older guy would have said, like, where is the money coming from, maybe? Sure. Or a million and a half is not that much. But a young but, guy, you know, a million
0: and a half is a lot. Yeah, right. I mean, you, you don't want to be a little coy before you agree to <laughs> you
1: have the bribe. Yeah, the kid is yeah. the president of that bank, became the president of that bank. He's no longer a kid and he's no longer president. He's retired, but he's... He's alive. He's a, no, he's, he's very, very much alive. Yeah, yeah. He's very quiet and very alive and yeah. very circumspect. Never has said one word about it. And he lives in his uh, chalet in the Alps. And yep. Yeah. Sips his wine from his own <laughs> yeah. uh, vineyards right. and lives a good life. And that's what Putin has done all the way along. Now, Putin's 10%. Here's the big thing about it: is In Russia, it's called the Putin cut. The Putin cut is 10%. Since, you know, he used to get that in St. Petersburg, then he got it in Moscow when he was running the economy from Moscow uh, under Boris Yeltsin. Mm-hmm. But once Yeltsin abdicated to made basically Putin the head mm-hmm. in turn of the century in, in like New Year's Eve mm-hmm. 2000. Putin has gotten a Putin cut from every single dollar that's going in or out of Russia.
0: Sort of like a sales tax. It's a tax. It's yeah. Exactly, it's yeah. a tax. Right. It's
1: exactly it. Mm-hmm. It's the Putin tax. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a lot of money.
0: Yeah, even for an economy that isn't necessarily one of the biggest, but I mean, if you're, it's, that's, it's, if that's, but if you getting ten percent of everything, yeah, it's the fourth uh,
1: biggest economy in the world. Oh, it is now. It is yeah. the fourth. Is it yeah. really? Yeah, it's the United States, China, and that's not Germany. Going to
0: stay the order very long. What? And that won't be the order in a matter. No, of year. a couple no, of more no, years. They well. say China's going to well, surpass the U.S.
1: Yeah, it depends. Mm. There, are, China has its own issues, but. More than likely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, They've certainly uh, understood economics and have run a very tight ship Mm -hmm. where the United States has not. But the United States is more innovative overall. Mm -hmm. But that could, because of our education system and stuff. But uh, there are, you know, literally hundreds of thousands of Chinese economists running all around China, putting it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's top students are sent to Western, co- were sent to Western colleges. Now they're essentially Western colleges in China. Right. Um,
0: campuses, I mean, um, uh, mm-hmm. of like Harvard or wherever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ad, adjunct campuses, uh, sites, um, but Lunger School of Economics, uh, University of Pennsylvania's uh-huh. school, uh, MIT school, and Stanford school, were rife, riddled with uh, Chinese students. Right.
0: So it's so ironic because it's been in the news lately that there's uh, been uh, lawsuits, you know, from Asian Americans who mm-hmm. are being discriminated against because the the university, camp, you know, the universities like Harvard, MIT, are mm-hmm. now not accepting some Asians that are are performing and who are, you know, the top mm-hmm. submissions, but that they're not being discriminating against discriminating against because they mm. they can't just have a school with 90% Asians you know so they create these campuses a lot of these families move to those states in the mm-hmm. first place to give their children right. the opportunities that the top universities can help afford them right and then the the campuses end up moving to those countries which is something those uh, asian families could never have predicted right there's an irony to it yeah I mean, well it's just crazy
1: primarily because the Chinese government initially early on, mm-hmm. um, if a student was incredibly bright and and ambitious, mm-hmm. um, and could go to a English school or a French school, Sorbonne or Harvard, uh, they would pay the fees, so they never had to get actually uh, scholarships. Mm-hmm. So the you know, a lot of the universities. What oh we don't have to pay a scholarship for this person now let's bring him in because at the first they wanted to bring up you know diversity they wanted to bring up the Asian population in the school mm-hmm. and show oh look we have right. yeah. a good amount of Asians but it actually you know some schools it mm-hmm. went too high and now there's that reverse discrimination yeah but by now the Chinese government has actually built schools. For Harvard or right. Sorbonne, or yeah, in you know whether it's Beijing, which is the c- political
0: capital, or sh- Shanghai. Which I wonder if it's good for academia. Because I mean, it, it, it it's good for academics. I mean, because you know there's so few jobs available for people that are graduating with their degree with you know with the intention of being an academic there's so few jobs in the states that now maybe there's an opportunity in these other countries well in china i don't know if it's happening in other countries but if it succeeds there maybe that's the way to i don't know
1: well the bigger picture is historically that it's a it's more of a question i think of globalism versus nationalism Mm -hmm. so the sort of trumpian Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. make america great all that stuff make China great, make Russia great, all that kind of nonsense mm-hmm. that's being touted by Xi or Putin or Trump or you know uh, the Hungarian um, you know guy or uh-huh. a Polish guy. You know it's happening all over the world. Um, that's a uh, a kind of an echo from the last century, and in the last century, especially the major Second World War, proved that nationalism is actually not viable Mm -hmm. the problem has been is how to get to true globalism and history is moving in that direction whether you want to or not globalism right Uh, I mean it's just been the tide of history has gone from these tribes to these villages to these towns to these nation states to these nations Mm -hmm. nationalism you know, along with energy, basically and coal to oil. Mm-hmm. Right. Now it's the end of oil, a uh, fossil fuel era. So it's going to the
0: next state and then the coal. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Just kidding. Clean coal. Clean coal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that what amomaly- was the third nation uh, that you mentioned? Uh, U.S., China, and the fourth being Russia. You said was that the U.K. No, no, What's Germany. Germany. Oh, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So Germany essentially runs the always European keep them at the top is my my perspective economy is predicated on german economics yeah um, russia is trying to get into the middle east which they've gotten into now they've made deals with the saudis and this you know what's lever left of syria and iraq which is nothing and they want you know europe mm-hmm. that's the battle China has gotten Africa and Southeast Asia and, you know, Korea, essentially, and maybe Japan they'll get. Mm-hmm. So they want the Pacific Rim. The problem for the United States has been that, you know, our natural way to go is really to unite with Canada and Mexico rather than a president who is messing right. around with our two yeah. border it, partners. Right. Um, so did you, you know, kind of what the European Union did with the euro. I always thought that the Amer- Americans mm-hmm. really to strengthen America, hmm.
0: let's say, or part of NAFTA, make a, a cur- to, common to, currency.
1: Yeah, called the Amerigo. Well, you you which would go to be
0: peso instead,
1: but well, Mexico, not the dollar, not the yeah. Canadian dollar, not the peso, not you know other yeah. currencies. But the America, which is like the Euro, and it would be from Canada all the way down to Chile. Oh, there,
0: including Central America. Central and, America you know, and South America. And South America
1: too. Yeah, the, all the Americas—South, Central, North—into uh-huh. one currency. No tariffs. Mm-hmm. No borders economically. You could build a road from the tip of Argentina and Chile yeah. all the way to the top you can of walk. Canada. Yeah. And everything would flow back and forth in one. Mm -hmm. Now that would strengthen our economy tremendously. It would like make it like maybe six times bigger.
0: It sounds so corporate. What? (laughs) It sounds so corporate. What's the world is going, you know, it's like, it's like the corporations that are, that have merged, you know, and yeah, you know, it's a similar idea. That's economics. I mean,
1: so prior to going from nations, Mm To globalism, there's an intermediate step, which Europe has tried, and that's called continentalism. Mm -hmm. So continents forge Mm -hmm. before the whole globe forges. These continents forge, and then the four continents, essentially the five continents, actually Mm -hmm. combine.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Not to go to some sort of... uh I don't know uh, Much more Sort of uh, Mundane Mundane Well it's not mundane just, Or just shallow uh, Oh shallow I, 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 just, caught, shallow. I've caught a, I just caught. I've just caught i finally caught up With the Americans Which oh, I was thinking of As you right. described Yeah that was uh, a good Because it takes place In the 80s You know yeah. it's It's uh, it's kind of about a, a little bit about Afghanistan And mm-hmm. the war With Russia You know Russia uh, so The breakdown so, Of the Soviet mm-hmm. Union that I know I mean I'm in the fifth Of six seasons Oh I've been kind of going They're six very short Oh good because uh, I'm wondering how they're going to resolve it. Mm-hmm. My ex-wife was actually the mother of my son. Is, was in the sh- uh, one of the arcs. Oh yeah, one of the shows arcs in the second and third season. Oh yeah, which one? She, there was a character that was working for one of the companies that they were trying to breach, and she gets she she meets a d- dastardly end. She gets killed. She, her husband was abusive, and they were alcoholics. Both well, uh, she was an alcoholic, mm-hmm. African American character. Uh-huh. She was an alcoholic. She meets uh, what's the wife's name? I can't remember. Oh, uh, Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell's character. Right. She goes to the meeting and creates a friendship right. with with. Oh people. yeah, yeah, I remember. And then right, right. she gains access to the security. What is it? It's like some sort of. S- oh yeah. Trying to remember that uh, it's a no, it's government Bio- biotechnology, firm. Yeah. yeah, like kind of firm, uh-huh. and they become friends, and then right. she ends up, you know, killing her right. <laughs> with a right. vase or something, right? Because she refuses, she's going to go tell the cops that she got, you know, information and all that right. stuff. So Carrie Russell kills her. Yeah, Carrie Russell killed a lot of people. Yeah, a lot. Oh, she, yeah, they, she's, she's about retails. to kill more. Okay, I'm sure. Um, it's a, yeah, no, it's a very good series. I finally decided to dip in and it, it and it's also, since the series, the seasons are relatively brief, Yeah, you know, there's only like a dozen shows per season. I really yeah. appreciate that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I think. So, I think. Yeah. I, I, yeah I've been enjoying it. Somewhere between it. eight and 12. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, no, no, I think it's uh, each season's like 12 or 13 12? Episodes. Really? Yeah, yeah. Really? And, um, oh, so I'm, sure. I'm on the sixth mm-hmm. and, uh, and, you know, it does move c- brief quickly briskling mm-hmm. through the seasons um and uh, you know it's an interesting show um, yeah, it is how they're portraying you know it's interesting to watch right now also
1: have you seen the swedish danish series the bridge no I, I you, it? you mentioned it last I mentioned. time
0: yeah. when we met which was a year and a half about a year and a half ago yeah that's super great yeah i'm gonna um, just, how do i see that one what's where uh, i think it's, it's
1: on hulu or or amazon it's on one of them okay I will have to see I, I, I have Amazon. <laughs> I don't have Hulu. Uh I can't remember which one it was on. It might be Amazon. But just check out The Bridge, but they've made
0: It's a a couple a, of a remakes. Scandinavian. Yeah, it's the production. Danish
1: Swedish version cuz I think they've made oh. one in America. Okay. and one in England, I believe. Um and I think that one was called The Tunnel. Oh. But uh it's a <laughs> The same bridge and idea. Tunnel. Well,
0: I I like I, I I like you. I I like Although I, I've I've seen the British stuff too, obviously like uh, Helen uh, Helen, uh, uh, what was this? Mirin. Helen Mirin series, which is many years old, uh, uh-huh. really, but the was about you know where she's the uh, head of the oh right police um, department right. Uh, but I like a lot of the Scandinavian productions. Yeah, uh, this and, this and one Skarsgård, is particularly beautifully yeah, shot. They they do that they shoot beautifully. But the
1: main thing is the female cop character, the Swedish cop. Mm-hmm. Is like one of the best written and and performed really? uh, roles I've seen in the last twenty years. Oh wow! Yeah,
0: you you were you were talking about it last time. Yeah, I might have to borrow your login for. No, yeah. I can't see this on Eric because <laughs> I don't. It's one of the only um, you know streaming services I don't either have. You, you'll you'll find it. I I'm, yeah. I'm not sure what it is exactly
1: anymore. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, there's a few uh, foreign ones that. Um, Yeah, and the the Scandinavian ones tend to be shot and edited and the music and all that very well in the... They tend to...
0: Yeah.
1: uh, Like even like the girl with the dragon tattoo, the original one. Yes. Not the David Fincher one, but it was very, very well done, I thought. Yeah,
0: I I did too. Uh, Yeah, I I think this... Was this... this, this Stellan Sarsgaard starred in a... um, yes in a series uh it's on i believe it's on netflix yeah that was good which i enjoyed i thought it was limited yeah it was like six six episodes episodes where his partner Mm -hmm. uh he's a cop and his partner is dead is is, yeah but you don't know it until a little bit in right uh but and he sees dead people essentially (laughs) you know it's kind of a a corny thing but they they pull it off really well and it's due to the just how well the production and the level of acting and mm-hmm. you know his dance at the end uh, is a little bit um corny yeah, ending. It, it i thought the ending was a little corny for it I had th- its moments i it lost some of its its, it uh, had it's moments yeah it did have its moments but I, I just find myself really enjoying those productions anyway wow that's so so impressive that you're you have this whole uh focus uh, i hesitate to call it again an obsession but it's uh I think mm-hmm. you really need to do something with that. And, you you know, you, it's an international cast, which would help marketing it to an international audience. Right. I think you can get international distribution. As a res- I mean, you know, it's just a natural way to approach such a, yeah, a I've, story. I've, I mean. I've written a series you based have? on that. Yeah, okay.
1: it's called The Best People. It's, um, um, I've written the first six episodes. Oh,
0: wow. Then that, that, uh, sat, that satire... Stalin uh, about what is it called that came out with Steve oh, yeah. Buscemi and yeah, uh, which yeah. did really well that that film. It's yeah. like out of nowhere that film. Um, yeah, it was. What was it called? The Killing of Stalin or the Death, of Stalin, Death really. of Stalin? The Death of Stalin. Yeah. Was that one? Yeah. Called? This is really a funny. little different. This yeah. is no, more I know it is. But I'm just saying that that was a good indication that there's maybe... And, of course, with this just it, so much stuff is about to come out about the, all this, what we were talking about, is mm. going to be all confirmed. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. that we don't already know it. It's just so s- silly. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's where we are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we ended up talking about this. It was great, great to hear about this. And it's... Uh, what sure. have you seen yeah. lately? Well, one thing, I just today got the uh, the schedule for the P- the press and industry screenings for the New York Film Festival. So oh, yeah? That's one thing that I just got today, so I'm kind of excited about it. I'm working evenings right now, and so this allows me, if I can get myself up and out, I right. can see quite a few of them. Of what fortune. films are
1: going to be screening there?
0: Well, they've got, of course, the new Coen Brothers, for instance, uh, uh-huh. the, the the Ballad of Buster Specs, which I hear kind of already... Uh, not their greatest project. Right. It was intended as a s- also as a limited series or something, right? With different characters in each story, and they kind of ended up right n- not do, uh, doing it as a feature. And I hear it's kind of a, a, mm-hmm. a flawed, but, right? But anyway, and the new Quaron Alfonso Quaron is supposed uh-huh. to be Roma, and then uh-huh. the, uh, I want to see that. And uh, Lanthimos' new film, Lanthimos. Oh, th- oh,
1: the guy did the Lobster. Mm-hmm.
0: His new film. Uh huh.
1: And, and, uh, I, didn't, I, know, had, I haven't seen The Lobster yet. I, I, mm-hmm. I saw Dog Tooth, and I liked it immensely. Yeah.
0: Well, he's gone really far cry from there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, Kamita, what's his uh, the Japanese filmmaker. They're, 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 mm-hmm. You know, they have their favorites. And they, yeah, they they, do. they really just, I mean, every time. And, and there's a new, um, what's the German filmmaker? I, I've seen all of his films. He's really, oh, Christian Petzold. He's a, mm-hmm. one of these guys. They just constantly, every film. Right, uh, and you know that they they bring it back, and then there's like some they now include some of the young American filmmakers. I don't mm-hmm. know, We'll see, Alex Ross Perry, mm-hmm. he has a new film. I mean, do you keep up on 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 young um, filmmakers that are kind of coming out now? I, yeah,
1: you, I I I'm not like obsessed with it, yeah. or I'm not like um, yeah. um, you know, for several years I was not, you know, last several years, uh-huh. I. I was not... Going. Well, I'm not going to as many films because mm-hmm. I think primarily the the hour and a half, two hour... Form. Uh, you know, form. Yeah, yeah. Just didn't make sense to me. It didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. It felt everything was squeezed or they're forcing a narrative down my throat. Um, I don't know. I was just not there. But the longer form... Yeah. ...seemed uh, like novelistic and had you know um more nuances and uh digressions and and mm-hmm. was able to explore things that felt right so but uh, who knows i mean uh you know and i've also liked the
0: short form mm-hmm. yeah you know well um, they're not they're doing so something entirely range, different anyway though you mm-hmm. know they're not going for that the arc they're not going for right quite, you know, uh, capturing a moment is different than telling a story and having a three... But
1: like uh, films like uh, what was the one that won the Academy Award? The Something of Water. Right, Shape. Shape of Water. Yeah. Uh,
0: Were you dissatisfied with that? uh,
1: Completely. Mm. I thought it was absurd. Well, it it definitely was absurd, right? (laughs) I know. It was absurd on any level of Mm -hmm. cinema.
0: Yeah. Well... Uh, The fact that it won an Academy Award was like well, what is you know? Yeah, but, but whatever the Academy Awards have really been a no. They, uh, generally speaking, the films that it win you know, are not not generally. But but I will say this though, if you look at the Academy Award nominees for Best Picture in the last year, I mean most of them were these art house films. I mean, mm-hmm. or have Genesis from art house. You know, like yeah. including that one. You know, well that I like filmmaker. Moonlight. Yeah, I
1: thought that was a very good film. Right, their character base like stru- you know. structurally and. Yeah, uh, the story and the acting, it, it, the scale right. seemed right. The scale of Shape of Water seemed completely wrong. Right. Um, uh, then there was, uh, I mean, I don't know. It's been it's been a few years. since yeah. Films just really. Now that doesn't there are films that when I go see them they mm-hmm. would go wow that was really good yeah
0: I I, I saw um, a couple of times I've gone out I try to get I'm trying to get out to see some screening like I uh, the um, it's not easy all the time because it really requires a lot of my time it's like a four mm-hmm. hour yeah. commitment you know which is you know it doesn't sound like a lot to people but I took my son to see eight, you know I saw it on the mm-hmm. the, the uh, here down at the Roxy theater mm-hmm. at the Roxy Hotel 8th grade I saw it at the BAM Cinema Fest mm-hmm. uh uh-huh. um, you know, Bo Burnham is the director. He's a comedian. A it's really beautiful. And I, I loved it so much. And I, my son just graduated the eighth grade last, you know, mm-hmm. spring. And so I asked him, Do you want to see, that? I showed him the trailer. I said, I just interviewed, you know, these guys and I the, the movie's very beautiful. Would you? And he says, yeah, let's, I'll see it. So I, I have an inside guy at the, uh, the Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn. So mm-hmm. I contacted him and he got us tickets. Not that I wouldn't have <laughs> spent the money on it, right. but it's nice. Right. And then we can buy lunch there. And, right. and so we had a great time. And he, loved, he really liked the movie. And it was okay. a really personal story from this young 8th grade girl who's very mm-hmm. un, um, n- in not confident uh, young girl who's struggling. Has mm-hmm. a single dad mm-hmm. played by uh, Josh Hamilton. Great actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so I, I saw that. I really love love that movie. I got to see Ethan Hawke's film. It's called Blaze. About I'm about this. to go see it oh. in 20 minutes. Oh, you're going to see Blaze? Mm-hmm. I, let's talk after because I'm curious yeah. to know. I, I I really liked it. I mean, oh, it's very very. It's flawed in some ways, but the flaws are are, are, there are Certain films that are kind mm-hmm. of sprawly, messy a little bit because right. they're just, but they're going for things that are very, positive, and he, it, it was, definitely like, takes you to a there's place. Another in film time.
1: people talked a lot about. A yeah. couple of years ago, with um, uh, what's that actor? Uh, his brother is a famous actor, Casey yeah, Affleck. Casey Affleck. Casey. What was that film with Kate in Boston? Uh,
0: wait, the well, they, there was a few, I think, uh, uh, where he but played this guy who is kind of down and out. Oh yeah, yeah, Manchester by the Sea. Manchester, Manchester by the Manchester by the Sea, um, right. I, I really thought uh, when I saw it I said Casey like, Affleck will win the Oscar as soon as I it's one of those performances really? that you just I just knew when he walked out all based on that one scene with uh, you know what's her face I, you know, oh the, that
1: one she has that one scene yeah
0: where him. you know she confronts him in a poly- yeah. and it's like um, I just said yeah, Michelle Williams Michelle Williams yeah, that's there you your go. yeah Michelle we Williams we have one, like we have <laughs> together <just laughs> half a brain there's so much we can do together <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> we just put them <laughs> together, put them together. <laughs> we have two half brains I, I'll say Williams <laughs> you say
1: Michelle um, yeah well that was an okay Don't, scene I liked it I like the movie
0: what was it about that put you off Did I you just think thought it was unbelievable? his
1: characterization mm-hmm. and I thought the writing was pretentious as oh, hell. Okay. okay. and I thought his mopey kind of like I'm an actor
0: watch my ticks. oh actually kind of thing was Interesting. just like I'd have to watch it again I was moved at the time um, but I'm a sucker I have a very um, I, I'll admit it right out that I have a um, real just sentimental side to me I cry a lot at movies I it was like, like when, I remember when I saw that film like it that. was
1: like um at like a screening of some sort mm-hmm. and I'd read about it a couple articles yeah. about it and I, I remember un, unable to to contain my um my dislike uh-huh. so much that when I when the lights came on and I got up from my seat I went that is the most overrated movie of the year. Interesting you say that cuz <laughs> I remember an earlier
0: case. It was one of those again Boston films, not a kind and directed film, but mm-hmm. it was one of those films that oh, uh, what's the guy? He an author and he writes all the, he's written all those Boston mm-hmm. movies like uh, the Clint Eastwood one that he directed with, the with, the, with the, uh, you know, just all these um, mm-hmm. Boston-based, I, I usually pull the names, but I'm hmm. not in that space right now. But anyway, and I the just... The Boston were, Strangler? No, but he, he no, no, it's just a bunch of different, mm-hmm. t- these stories coming out of Boston mm-hmm. from a Boston author, based author, mm-hmm. and the Afflecks are usually in them because they're from Boston, mm-hmm. you know. Anyway, the, I just remember afterwards getting up, and I think David Denby was sitting behind mm-hmm. me, and I was just like... I couldn't believe how overwrought how mm-hmm. just annoying the movie was. And I'm standing in the elevator lobby and he was just or just talking how great it was and I'm like, there all the critics are gonna just give it these great reviews and it's really yeah. just not good. I just yeah. I just thought I didn't uh, have that reaction to Manchester by the Sea, but again I just those kinds of stories of you Yeah, know, it was
1: like of, so inauthentic. It was yeah. so pretentious, I felt it really kind of soured me to mm-hmm to a certain kind of, um, Mm -hmm. you know, what people think is good is really questionable in my mind. And I've been wrong, so, you know.
0: um, Well, I will also mention I I did go see also a new... uh, Documentary. It's called Three Identical Strangers. I mean, oh. I try to see. Uh, right, right. I've heard about one that. one called, um, and uh, some of these people have been come on the podcast. Like the filmmaker who made this documentary called "It's Not a Good Day for Me." Uh, it's you know, it's interesting that, uh, as I said last night, I didn't get to sleep, and mm-hmm. no doubt it's affecting right. my brain. Right. Yeah. Well, it uh, will do that. Yeah. Um, the brain but, needs to and sleep. I did see another one I really enjoyed was Love Gilda. I just saw that about Gilda Radner. Uh huh. Really. I'm hoping to bring on that filmmaker. That would be fun to talk about Gilda Radner and that period of right. '70s comedy and the, that just yep. incredible how they were all rock stars. Yeah. And uh, and I'm supposed to go see. What am I going to next? Uh, I guess it doesn't really matter. I would just
1: watched John Landis's film Blues Brothers. Because uh, Aretha of of, Franklin. Reetha, yeah. yeah. And uh, it had so much energy to it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, remember. they were all high on cocaine, sure. But um, uh, it looked like they were having a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, no doubt. You know, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, <clears throat> but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to go see uh, Spike's new movie. I did I see that th- too. Yeah, I did. Uh, I
0: want to talk to you about that too. Mm-hmm. What you think of that? Yeah, um,
1: I mean uh, the reviews I've read all. You know, they're like sort of he's been on vacation and he suddenly returned.
0: Spike makes a lot of stuff. Yeah, no, he does. He's very prolific. I mean, Mm. you know, of course he's done the TV version of "She's Got to Have It." Right. The you know he'll do he he'll him like uh, another uh, New York based prolific filmmaker will will usually make three or four terrible movies and then a, a really good one. Right. You know, I'm referring to. Who? Although I don't think he's really made anything good in thirty years. Woody Allen. I'm just Who? Woody Allen. Uh, oh uh, Woody I, Allen. I know I think he unfortunately or yeah. no, I don't think unfortunately I actually I wish he would retire. I, I would have preferred to be on his own terms. Terms, exactly, but uh he's been re seems like he's been put out to pasture yeah. um. Just well he of might the he might
1: he might uh uh who knows what yeah. what he's yeah. capable of? But he's what eighty four, eighty five's got to be up there. Yeah. Have you um, ever met that? Have you ever met him? I met him once, very briefly, uh, through Carlo De Palma, who was a yeah. cinematographer of his. Uh-huh. And Carlo was married to a producer that, at the time, I was working with. Um, so I met, uh, but it was just like. <clears throat> I know four or five people having lunch, mm-hmm. um, but um, I always—I li- I mean, I li- I've always liked actually Spike's and Woody's um, uh, uh, style of working, just one after the next. Yeah, but um, <clears throat> sometimes it's good to take a little time off just to.
0: Reboot in a way creatively well, just to, or yeah, because find new it, inspirations.
1: Otherwise, you're really kind of making the same movie over and right, over again. Right? How
0: do you not? How do you find new inspirations if you're just, you know, already onto the next? film? Well, the
1: problem there is is how much control you have. So, you can find some different inspiration if you're only a director and have other people write your scripts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then you bring a different version of that director, That's true. like Scorsese. Yeah. Well, you know,
0: or, or or or
1: Spielberg. Yeah. Um,
0: oh, you know, and the, but speaking of Scorsese, he's, he He's he's directed this this author i was thinking about uh that this Boston author with The Departed. The guy who wrote The Departed is the Boston guy I'm thinking Oh. Of. You know, he's very famous oh. uh, now novelist and right. he, he but he wrote the Among mm. his Many mm. novels and I don't mean to digress.
1: Right. Anyway. The Departed right um, that was with Nicholson yeah I'm looking forward to the new Scorsese with oh yeah Pacino th- and De Niro
0: right yeah that's uh, and uh, Pesci and Keitel oh yeah which is biz- I don't think that those two who used to kind of alternate right, right in the right. Or have different chapters in the uh, those films they're they, they were all in it I mean wow, I don't all four I think so well I don't think they all have the biggest parts I mean I think right. I think uh, Pesci De Niro and or the big... I don't think Cartel's in it. That's like uh, yeah, here he's. In, I uh, think he's in it. I may be wrong.
1: But that, that would be cool. Yeah. Um. I kind of like sure. Harvey a lot. Me too. Um.
0: Well, he did all. He, did, he collaborated with uh, Abel. And, Abel, uh, yeah, quite a bit, right? And yeah. Defoe. He yeah. oh, he's playing Van Gogh, I guess, in a new movie. Yeah. And that in that Schnabel movie. Schnabel. Oh, right. Of course, the uh-huh. Schnabel. Uh, I'm just. I, you know, I I don't normally not a fashionista about things, but they they took this photo of Schnabel from I, I'm guessing it was Can because he mm-hmm. he was like on you know looked like he was right there on the, what's the called the the part of the corset the, the corset or whatever. Anyway, mm-hmm. he he was wearing like this button down typical shirt, but the sleeves sleeveless sleeveless. Uh huh. I don't know. He looked just like bizarre. You know. Yeah. Just, well, like, that's not Julian a Julian
1: is bizarre. Yeah. Uh, definitely bizarre. Um, but he makes good movies. Yes. And, you know,
0: among other things. Yes. He, I've liked his He's a his good films. painter. He makes,
1: good, you know, overall mm-hmm. really good movies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, especially the Butterfly movie. Yeah, that was beautiful. Uh, I thought his Basquiat movie was a very good first yeah. uh, directorial film. He
0: got a great performance out of Jeffrey Wright. Great casting.
1: He, yeah. Unfortunately, I, the only thing I didn't like about it was the title. I think it should have been called Schnabel, because
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, there was very little about Basquiat in mm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you see um, Sarah's uh, new documentary? Yes. The, the, yeah. Okay. She's yeah, supposed to do the podcast. She's coming on. Uh, she, oh, yeah? I, Well, I was trying to get her, and then... Well, Sarah was, makes really interesting films. She has family films. things going on with her parents, and... Uh, oh, right. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. But she
1: makes very interesting films. Yeah. I mean, her early films are especially are really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really beautiful um and quite poetic um this film um i think it's an interesting film i'm glad that she made it Mm um i'm very happy about that i'm not sure what the heck is the point of it but um but at the same time i'm I'm happy she made it
0: yeah well it's called boom for real it was out yeah. Already, no, I've seen Magnolia it. distribute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but, I'm gl- but 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 um, got distribution. Yeah, I'm actually kind of gla- yeah, it's a good, it's important. You know, I'm glad mm. to that. In a way, I'm glad that uh, it's kind of like over because she's and then she was helping uh, her her friend, her partner with uh, his new project. Apparently, oh yeah, and then yeah, so that's why. So mm. she said contact her after Labor Day. So I guess that, mm. that means now I can right call her or email her. And, yeah, they're uh, probably
1: in post production now. But she'll make some time. And then yep. you know what's
0: nice is I can maybe it'll inch me closer to the, <clears throat> to him too, because I've <clears throat> wanting to get him on. Yeah, you should get the, Jim on. I don't know if he does a lot of these things, but
1: uh it's he my does a f- he, he does a fair amount. Mm-hmm. He does uh I just did uh the last Anthony Bourdain show with him. You did? Mhm. Uh just a couple of weeks before Bourdain passed away. Oh I didn't know. Um Yeah. But um yeah, no, he's
0: yeah. Is that going to be um, aired? I hear there was some new material. Yeah, I think it'll be aired. Um,
1: I think end of this month or maybe the beginning oh, of October. Soon. Really? Yeah, well, that's it was like soon. done in. I don't know when was it like April or something. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow, that'd be yeah. right, right before. Yeah, where where what was the what was your your roles in that.
1: <laughs> we, we, he just asked us a bunch of questions about drugs. Oh, really? Uh, basically. But he's, a, he's he was a, a real cinephile. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. Really, no. he was a real...
0: I've seen him at film festivals. I mean, I saw at the Hampton Film Festival last year. Mm-hmm. I might have actually... He was you know.
1: a super cinephile. Yeah. He, he, he watched way more movies than Jim and I. Um, uh, and he would get very obsessive about particular genre or particular countries films like he was at the time he was very much enamored in the last winter around last winter um of um mm-hmm. indonesian kung fu movies of which i yeah, had n- no uh, idea about and he yeah. said oh you never heard of this guy oh yeah you should see Rattling he's off. made four movies He, yeah. you know you should watch the second and the fourth one those are the really good ones yeah. i'm like
0: yeah right but don't listen! Don't don't, don't watch the, this other guy's movie yeah. because he's 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 just like you know he's a joke. He's not really so he
1: was very um,
0: interesting, didn't he? He was uh, in a relationship with Asia Argento. Yeah, Asia. And, and yeah, Asia, yeah. He was Asia, very much Arsh- in a relationship. Arsh- Asia, Asia Argento. He was in a relationship with Asia Argento. Yeah. Now, didn't he? Uh, and then I hear he paid off this kid. Apparently, now suing. Yeah, or tried apparently. to sue or it's come out as a which makes me feel like um, it's a bad idea it's a Harvey Weinstein <laughs> uh, folks yeah but it's I feel like it it's it was I don't know it's my I have a little theory that you know I feel like uh, maybe Weinstein's people have kind of made this happen to kind of uh, compromise oh Oz, uh you know her reputation and her
1: I don't know. He's going to I, go to I jail, think that Anzia has her own, whatever, yeah, sure. going on. Um, you know, um, I think you know she has her own trajectory prior to mm-hmm. m- sure. meeting Tony Bourdain. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I'm I'm of mind. That uh, when somebody tells you how happy and head over heels they are in love with someone, beware. Mm-hmm. Like there's something wrong. <laughs> uh, I think it like being in love in that way. Yeah. Yeah, romanticizing love is the worst thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Tony had, uh, it was, you know, romanticized food. He romanticized cooking. He romanticized films. He romanticized this relationship. Uh, he romanticized drugs. Um, uh And I think that's problematic on a certain level.
0: Well, it was for him, yeah. And it he, was for him. And.
1: But he was such such a delight, he, you know, such a like delightful guy that
0: you kind of like, what the fuck, mm-hmm. you know. But nobody there, was there. Nobody who could tell him that what you just said, maybe ineffectively. I suppose so. Do you think? Well,
1: I didn't know him that well, so I mean, I told him my version of it. You did, yeah. I just said I. I think romantic love of that sort is okay when you're 16 or 19 or maybe 23, mm-hmm. but after that, yeah, it's drug, and you mm-hmm. know your experience with drugs. Yeah. and this is just another drug. You're on drugs, dude, and that was what I said
0: to him. Wow. Uh-huh. Well, you were certainly. He gave you the opportunity, the 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 platform. No, he asked me about because, it because yeah, right, and because of the nature of that yeah uh, show, that episode or whatever.
1: You're well, outside of that episode, in that episode there was mm-hmm. some discussion of of our histories on the Lower East Side. Mm-hmm. But okay. Post that show, uh, we had another couple of conversations, and uh, you know. He was, you know, I I mentioned to him that I thought that his questions to Jim and I on the show Mm -hmm. about this kind of nostalgia for the Lower East Side and our drug days was kind of like silly in a sense that you can't romanticize your drug taking. Yeah, it's not. um, And, you know, it's not helpful or uh, part of our age at this point yeah like things that you can do when you're in your 20s are not things you're going to do when you're in your 50s or 60s it's just that's just common sense but he still had and he and he and I could tell because I I get it because I have that same aura of like romanticism like I want to you know make this you know like oh you know this is the best da 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 or mm -hmm. you know like I am so in love I go uh, you're, you're in trouble dude yeah what do you mean, by being in love? Isn't that the the whole thing? I the go no, point? it's right. it's a drug. Mm-hmm. It's a drug, and it's a like, you know. In other conversations I had with you could see the longing for the drug. In other words, the longing yeah, for right, that. So you
0: describe it. Yeah, it's different than if you describe, your, you know, like a service to others as you know what you discover is being the fruit of life or the mm-hmm. meaning you know it's like service to others sir, mm-hmm. you know that's healthy I mean yeah. you know um,
1: I mean so the he couldn't separate I think the exuberance mm-hmm. that he mm-hmm. had for life so it's, with, kind
0: of, it's a manic it's a with, bit of a manic uh, kind of uh, mm-hmm.
1: yeah I guess that's probably the, the the psychological idea of it but yeah. I think there was something more and also the fact that he was not grounded you know he was traveling so yeah. much Right. He was never in one place for any length of time. And his, even his apartment in New York, he was only in New York for like four or five nights a month. So when you're not grounded at all, yeah. and you have this thing, so at any given moment, you can get hijacked. And I have a feeling that that's probably what happened, although, uh, uh, what the fuck do I know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's, uh, it's interesting because you can kind of... I,
1: and I think on what the fuck do I know might be a good place to end. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: thank you what the fuck do I know (laughs) thank you this this is so much fun yep well let's not wait until another year and a half though and Mm I definitely all right